Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tech Talk in the Pat Price Tech Talk training room. It's September 25th, 2023. And around this time, usually, give or take a few weeks, uh, we usually have Sparrow with us to talk about the latest and greatest. In, and we are going to be doing that today with regard to uh, JAWS 2024. And um, Ryan Jones is with us. He is the uh, product manager, vice president of products for Vispero. And I assume we'll slip into a little bit of maybe uh, Zoom text and or Fusion. I don't know because they're, the release is the same as JAWS and I don't know that you're gonna get into all three, but but we'll see. But this is a popular item that a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, had have had uh, public betas already and lots of good stuff. So we're looking forward to this and thanks for being with us on Tech Talk. Excellent. Thank you, Larry. I enjoy being here. So tell us what to expect for those, especially for those people who haven't touched the, the betas at all. What kinds of things are they in for with when JAWS is released at the end of October? Yeah, I think there's there's several key things. I mean, there's so each new release, uh, and, and I think it's important to point out that the way we do software now is very different than the way it was 10, 15, certainly 20 years ago, where you basically had one shot to get it all right and to get it done immediately. And you to, to do an update or another release, you had to print floppy disks or CDs and ship them all over the world. And so now with the way we distribute software, you know, we, we typically, our model is that we have the one major release that comes at the end of October, and then we'll have updates that come out every six to eight weeks or so. And those updates, sometimes we'll have new features. Sometimes there'll be bug fixes and or a combination. So an example is a new feature that came out in the June update was the message center uh, that we have in JAWS and ZoomText now. And we, we, we typically add things throughout the year, but we always, because of the history of the products, we always kind of look at the October initial release as a, a signpost for new things. And so this year, we actually have several pretty big new things that I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, I'll, I'll talk about JAWS right now, and then we can touch on Zoom text a little bit as well. But um, one of the big ones that I think many people will connect with is for those of us who have to deal with online video meetings. And of course, since the pandemic, this has been a really big topic. Many are on Zoom meetings or Teams meetings or other video applications, and maybe you turn your camera off and maybe you don't. But when you when you want to be on camera, one of the big challenges that those of us, including myself, who use JAWS face is, am I in the shot? Am I centered? Am I looking at the camera? Is my head, is the camera showing my full head or is it cutting off the top of my face? for example, or is the camera accidentally aimed down and it's showing more of my neck? And so um, to help us with this, we developed a feature called Face and View. And it's it's using some AI technology that we were able to build into JAWS. And its purpose is to help you identify if you're properly set up in your view. So, so the workflow, the way you use this is you would turn this feature on before you get onto the Zoom call or before the team's call, or you can kind of check yourself and see, and, and face and view will tell you, move to the left or move to the right or move your head up or down. And it will even tell you, like if you're not really looking at the camera, it'll tell you, turn your head to the right or turn your head to the left or look up or look down. So its goal is to try to help you have confidence that you are in the view, right? That you're, you're right, your whole face is in that camera view. And then you would turn off the face and view feature and log on to your Zoom meeting or your Teams meeting or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, this is we've gotten a lot of good feedback on this. We've gotten feedback on this through the public beta process and, and of course through our, our private beta team and and then just talking to people out, you know, our users that are all over the place. And, and we're, you know, a, a lot of people can connect with this as being a problem for them. So it's one it it's it's in a state now where it's it's done, but we already have the second iteration of this in development. So it's one of these that you'll see us improving on and enhancing as we go forward in time. So I think it's one that we we love to get feedback on right now, and then we're going to keep 
iterating or keep uh, working on this one to, to make it better and more functional for people. So Larry, I don't know if you've tried this yet, uh, but it, it's, uh, yeah. I, I use it myself. I've actually been using it since we started developing on it back in the summer, just for my own meetings at Vespero. I use it all the time. I think we got it. I forgot now when we got it in terms of beta, but probably August, maybe, maybe July. Yeah, probably August. And, yep. and there were a couple of little bugs that, that everybody said, wait a minute, this needs to be fixed. Why can't we do this, et cetera, et cetera. And then the beta came out and there was even more uh, reactions saying, this is great, but... And then you made some changes and we played with those. And and I think it's one of them. I'm trying to think if it's, I'm not sure if it's in terms of line where how big it is in comparison to other things, but it's monumental, uh, for especially for those of us who are on camera a lot in meetings and things like that. And now at least we can control our own destiny in terms of what people look at. And it's yeah. it's terrific. It really is. And, and it's kind of one of those things, your jaws is function at the core is a screen reader, right? But it's it's real core is to help us be independent and access the computer. And being independent and accessing the computer in the century that we're in means you've got to be able to be on video calls and you want to have that confidence when you're doing that. So it's kind of one of these things that we're, we're looking where are the things we need to do that are beyond pure screen reading uh, to help us be functional participants in the digital age with computers now. It's a terrific tool that a lot of people use. Yeah, and that's that's why I was saying you know, with the update cycle every six to eight weeks, we have plenty of opportunity to kind of keep building things and then mm -hmm. just respond to feedback we get. You know, one of the things that we heard a lot, we changed the messaging based on our our beta feedback in the late summer with the private beta team. We we went to a style of telling people how to move your head now, not just telling you what was wrong like your head's to the right, we actually say now move your head to the right or move your head to the left. So we're always trying to respond and make things better based on what the, the feedback we're getting. And you made a philosophic change some time ago. This is several years ago, because it used to be, what is Vispero or Freedom Scientific even earlier? What are they going to do now about exciting new changes and features? And that was nice but we never got a chance to see something evolve from the time it was released and maybe you changed a couple things. We never saw that because everything was feature oriented. Now there are still new features that come out, but you're continuing to push forward to make them even better over a year rather than just a couple of re releases per year. And I think whoever made that decision was was really, really smart because we get the chance to see a product continue to evolve and it gets bigger and better uh, on, on a six-week basis, which I love. Yeah, and the other thing that we do now is that we use telemetry to help guide us on those decisions. So telemetry is where uh, when folks are using different features uh, or functionality in JAWS, we can kind of get a gauge based on that telemetry data. So if we can see, oh, you know, X percentage of users are using uh, face and view or X percentage use the dictionary manager or, or the skim reading tool or whatever it is, you know, there's so many different things in JAWS that we could work on, whether it, you're not even talking about new features, but just enhancing or building upon the things that are already there. We have to decide what's the priority. And we, we, prefer to use real data to do that rather than us just guessing, well, here's what we think people are using. So telemetry is really helping us make smarter decisions now. So we can focus time and energy on bringing things forward and enhancing the features and functions that people are actively using. And uh, and I think that's that's been a great help to us to actually put real science and data behind what we're doing now over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, let's talk about um, split braille. So this is this is the other big feature that I want to highlight for JAWS. And it's probably one of the most revolutionary things in Braille that's happened in quite some time for, for screen reading. Um, I, I would set this up by saying our team that works on this, the, some of the engineers and the testing team that have been working on this, they're all very strong Braille users and, and have been reading Braille for most of their lives and have been working for Freedom Scientific and Vespero, some of uh, some of them for 25 years plus. And I don't think that I've ever seen them this excited about something uh, as the split Braille feature that's that's coming out. And so, so what this means is 
it's sort of like the idea that sighted people can have two monitors at the same time and they can kind of flip their eyes back and forth and you might have a spreadsheet open on one screen and a Word document open on the other screen or email on one screen and a web browser on the other. And you can just flip your eyes back and forth between the two. Um, with split braille, split braille, we're kind of able to do something similar now with regular braille displays. So a single line braille display. And we're able to basically turn that single line braille display into two independent halves. So for example, if you have a 40 cell braille display, we would be taking the, the left half of that display, which you would think would be 20 cells, but we actually have to have two cells to use to as a delimiter to show you where the break is between the two halves. So if it's 40 cells, we're taking 18 cells on the left, 18 cells on the right, and um, well, actually 19, I guess. And then there's two cells in the middle that show uh, two vertical bars so that you can tell where the, the split is. And you can actually have different content on either side of the Braille display, and you can navigate that content independent of each other. And so there's a lot of different examples where this could be used. Um, a, a few easy ones to talk about are um, in in Word, for example, if you turn on this diff this mode, then we could have on the left side of the display would be your text. And on the right side would be any attributes about that text, whether it's font attributes or also annotations. So when you're scrolling through and you get to something that has a comment on it or a footnote or something like that, that comment, for example, could be on the right side of the display, whereas the text of what you're reading is on the left side of the display. And, and you can then keep, as you keep panning through that text on the left side, those comments or in notes or whatever will show up on the right side of the display. Um, an, another example of this might be um, using translations of Braille. So, so you could have uncontracted Braille on one side of the display and then the same text on the right side of the display but in grade two Braille or, or UEB, for example. So that will be really, really beneficial for people who are learning Braille. And I, I suspect that this will be a, a heavily used among the education space for those who are learning because you can have you know, grade one on one side and grade two basically on the other. Um, in fact, one of our developers who is blind, who was a speech user for a long time and is learning Braille right now, he's been using this a lot as he's continued his Braille literacy uh, so that uh, as he's learning the different contractions for grade two, for example. So there, there's, there are literally dozens and dozens of ways that this can benefit people. I, I think one other one I would call out would be what we're calling the buffered mode. So this is where I could actually take a document, like a, a Word document, for example, and copy it into or place it into the JAWS, a JAWS buffer, and on the left side of the display, completely interact or read that document that I've buffered. I could pan through it, scroll through it, read all that text. And on the other side of the display, I might have a word, another document or an email message or something like that open so that I can be kind of working in two places at once, reading something from one document and then typing out uh, a response to an email on the other side. Or I might be looking at a web page in the buffered side and then I have a Word document open on the other side of the display where I'm typing out notes about what I'm reading on that web page if I'm doing some research for something. So it really is kind of getting us into that similar level of, of having two screens where you're, you're really having two pieces of information on the Braille display um, that you can kind of switch back and forth with. We're, we're pre-building some some functions around this into certain applications like Outlook and Teams, for example. So in Outlook, there's this thing called the message preview. So someone who's visually looking at the screen can be scrolling through emails and they see a short little, like a two or three line excerpt from that message. And they can quickly see the first little bit and then decide if they really want to read it without opening the entire message first. 
with split braille we'll have it so that as you're on the inbox if you turn this mode on as you scroll up through your messages on the other side of the display you'll see the short little excerpt from that message that the message preview is showing so you can quickly skim and decide which message you want to open without having to completely open that message first um, we're doing something in teams where if you're in a chat thread in teams Normally, if you're going to type something in Teams, if you're responding to a message, for example, when your focus is in the edit box, normally all you would see on the Braille display is the line where you're typing from. So you'd see what you're typing, but you wouldn't be able to see the messages that you're you know, reading to respond to. Or if a new message comes in, you wouldn't see it there because it's focused on the edit box. But with split braille, you'll, you'd be able to have your edit box on one side of the display where you're typing and you can see what you're typing. And on the other side is the list of the messages, your your chat history, so to speak. And you could pan through that history and be reading what's going on in those messages while you're composing a response, for example. So the the we're probably at the very beginning stages really of this. I mean, every week or so our team is thinking of new ways that this can be beneficial. And, and we're even hearing you know, from people that are starting to use this feature. And I expect that we will continue to do that over time. Uh, you know, as more, more, more and more people use it and give us feedback, we'll keep adding new things. Um, actually we're, we're adding one right now where you could display the contents of the clipboard on one side of the display and then text from somewhere else on the other side, for example. So I think there'll be many, many more ways that this will come out over time where you'll find benefits for this. And this will work for any size Braille display. So whether it's an 80 cell, 40 cell, 32, 18, whatever size you have, this will work. Now, it, it obviously becomes less effective for you, the smaller of the display. So if you have a 14 cell Braille display and we're taking two cells for the delimiter, that means you only have six cells on uh, either side of the delimiter. So that's probably not going to be effective to use all the time, but there might be instances where it would be helpful for you. But we're not limiting this feature to only work on certain size displays. So anyone would have access to it. And we've also not limited it to only Freedom Scientific Braille displays. So obviously, if you use a focused Braille display, it's going to work very well because that's that's what we're that's part of our company. But we're not restricting it to only Freedom Scientific displays. So if you have other manufacturers' displays, it will work. Now I will say that we're still working on um, coordination with some of the manufacturers around the different key mappings and the way that this feature will work. Because if you think about it, you've got to be able to pan two independent sections of a Braille display now. So there's got to be alternative mappings there for that. And so that's part of what we're partnering with some of the other Braille display manufacturers to get all that stuff set up. So it, it's not going to all be completely um, flawless with all the manufacturers at first go around, but we are in very close discussions with Humanware, for example, uh, Poppenmeyer in in Europe, and and other ones we've reached out to as well to try to get this to be a good experience for people with different um, different Braille displays other than the Focus display. But oh. that's that's really one of the biggest things that again that we've seen in Braille in quite some time. Um. We also have done some things in MathCat, and this is something that if you do, if you work with math in any way on the computer, uh, whether it's through education or your career, you know, we we put in a lot of math support some number of years ago. I, f I forget, it's been six, seven, eight, maybe even longer now, time flies, but it's been a while since we've had MathML support in JAWS. And that was sort of our, our own creation of how to interpret math and how to, to work through it from a screen reading perspective. The good news is that there's a library that's out there or, or um, a, a gentleman named Neil Soifer has developed an open source library and set of interactions on how to deal with screen readers and math and, and in particular text-to-speech and it's called MathCat. And so we've, 
started the process to Im- integrate JAWS to use MathCat now. So instead of our own proprietary standard that we used a while back when there really wasn't much else out there, we're now integrating with MathCat. So for those who deal with math on a regular basis, this may be something you're already familiar with, MathCat, um, other screen readers uh, in particular, I know NVDA uses MathCat, but we're using, we're implementing that in JAWS now as well. And that functionality is pretty well done. It's not all the way done. And so we're first introducing it in our, what we're calling what we call the early adopter, uh, early adopter program or EAP. And the reason we're doing this is because it's one of those things where it's an, it's new for JAWS using MathCat is new. So rather than just turn it on by default and really change things for people who may have been using our traditional math support for a long time, we're going to kind of slowly add it in for people. So by putting it in the EAP, we actually turn MathCat off by default, but you can go into the EAP dialog in JAWS and you can turn it on now. And so it's um, it, it's going to be there for anybody to try it. We're finalizing some last minute or some some additional functionality on it. There's still other things to work out. And I'd say by December update or maybe early next year update, we will turn it on by default. But we're kind of letting it gradually come into the product so that we don't uh, disrupt people in in too big of a way uh, with math support. So that's another one that we're excited about to just kind of bring the math support in JAWS to a more standardized way. Um, that will be beneficial to folks. So let's see, I'm just looking at my notes. There's, there's actually another, another one that I'm excited about. That's not going to be something that you'll really notice much, but it's what we, what we call seamless updates of scripts. So your jaws is actually run by scripts quite a lot. And Scripts run everything from you know how you interact with Microsoft Office applications or the web browser or different you know uh, WhatsApp. We put scripts in for WhatsApp recently. Uh, we're adding scripts for Discord right now. So scripts are really at the heart of what Jaws does. And scripts are great, but some of the challenges that we face with scripts is that when applications change, we have to change the scripts. So Microsoft Teams, for example, pushes out updates to Teams just about every week or maybe every other week. And if they change something in Teams, then we have to change it in JAWS. And normally you'd have to wait until the next update. So if if I if we release an update today, Microsoft Teams changes something tomorrow and it breaks something in JAWS around the scripts, then you'd have to wait for another eight weeks to get that update from us. So we're we're putting in technology into JAWS now where we can push updates of scripts out at any time automatically. And so like when JAWS starts up, it'll check and see, hey, are there any updated scripts out there from Freedom Scientific that I need to download and, and place on the computer? And if there are, then it will automatically put them in the right place. And, and the user, you don't have to do anything. You don't even necessarily... Uh, you don't have to intervene in any way. It's just all of a sudden things will start working properly again. So if Microsoft pushes an update to Teams tomorrow that breaks something, then maybe in a few days we can push an update to the scripts out to get you back working again rather than having to wait for two months. So that's one that I think we you know, it's something we would only use when things break right now. It's not something we expect to have to use often. It's not going to be our normal way to push software updates, but it's a great fail safe because we're seeing so many things changing so fast, especially in Windows and in Chrome, uh, the you know the browsers that we all use, the office applications. These things are getting updates almost weekly right now. And it's very risky a lot of times for us as screen reader users to what may break JAWS. And so this this will help us be more reactive to that. So I mentioned Discord, that we've got some scripts um, now for Discord. We're working a lot on some uh, making JAWS interact with some of the newer HTML web standards more. So that's um, that's that's really the highlights 
of what we're doing with JAWS. And there's just, of course, a lot of bug fixes and things to keep JAWS working properly with Chrome, Firefox, Edge, Office, all of those good things. Um, I want to talk about ZoomText uh, just for a few moments. And the one of the challenges, and this obviously affects Fusion as well, one of the challenges with ZoomText is that it, it's it's got a great history behind it, but that's also a challenge because a lot of that code, a lot of the the inner workings of ZoomText was built a number of years ago. And so we've been on a process to try to make ZoomText more responsive and, and faster, faster for startup and using less memory resources and things. So there's been a lot of work behind the scenes the last couple of years to try to do that. One of the things that we realized last year that needed to happen in order to really help move forward on this is we had to rewrite or rebuild the magnification engine. The magnification engine is kind of the core of Zoom text, like the, the guts of the application and what it does. And so the team started on this back early this year and they basically rebuilt it from the ground up. So imagine if we talk in terms of home renovations, a lot of times when we're adding new features, it's kind of like adding on a new room to your house. Or we might update a room, change the wall paint in something. But in this case, we actually are with the magnification engine. It's kind of like if we went into a house and we said, we really need to replace a lot of the plumbing or the wiring. It's not a it's not an easy job. Like you got to rip down walls, you got to rip out, rip down ceilings and get in there and, and do a lot of heavy work. And it's a very tedious process. But when it's done, the end result is you've got a much more stable application. And so that's what we're seeing now. And we're seeing that from the early reports we're getting back from people who have been testing it and using ZoomText and seeing that it's using less memory now. It's much, it's more responsive. It starts quicker. And of course, that has a trickle-down effect to those of you who use Fusion where you're running JAWS and ZoomText together. So we have the bulk of that work is done. I think there'll always be more things we'll be able to do to, to try to speed ZoomText up, make it use even less resources. But we're we're we've moved in in the right direction. We've really set ZoomText up now to uh, to be able to add on to this much more effectively now that we've rebuilt the magnification engine. So in fact, we're working on Xfont right now and getting that back into the product. And that's been something that's been out for a while because again, applications are updating themselves so quickly. So we're working on getting some of that technology back. So we've put a lot of investment in ZoomText over the last year. And we're we're now at the point where we should, all of us should start see, seeing some of that come to fruition now and then over the next several months going forward. Um, the other, other cosmetic things to ZoomText, we redid the menu structure a little bit to try to make the menu system more intuitive. We set the quick access bar uh, to not be visible by default, uh, which is based on feedback that we were getting from users. So just a number of smaller things. But the, the big bulk of the work has been around the magnification engine and, and doing that rebuild. So that's a lot. I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Um, Larry, do you want to I have anything you want to drill in on this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, here's a, this happens usually once a year when, when you come out and do the, and even when Eric was doing this, people would invariably ask, okay, so open book, open book has been a product for years, but we've never been able to do anything with it because of how it originally was put together. And I'm curious, especially now with the innovations that have been made by convenient OCR, uh, with regard to technology as it is today versus what it might have been years ago, is there any thought about updating OpenBook or will it always remain OpenBook 9? It's a good question. So I, our philosophy right now is OpenBook 9 will remain OpenBook 9. And OpenBook has a great use case and, and people still use it all the time. But as you mentioned, the the world around us has, has changed quite a lot since when OpenBook was you know, came about over the last number of years. What I think you're going to see, uh, and especially as we get into 
next year on the calendar is more focused from us on incorporating OCR, more more OCR functionality into JAWS itself. So, I mean, several years ago, we already started this with convenient OCR, whether it's with a, a document on your computer, like a PDF file, or whether you're using a, a scanner to bring in a printed document, you can already do that with JAWS. Now, it's fairly basic functionality. It's not something that you're going to use if you're trying to scan books and things all day long, but it works for most people for basic things. But we are going to be putting some focus around OCR technology in JAWS over the next bit. And so I think you're going to see more and more of that. I wouldn't necessarily say the same features in OpenBook come to JAWS, but you're going to see us tackle OCR and dealing with uh, scanned images and scanned text more in JAWS uh, because it's really a core functionality as, for those of us who are blind or low vision to deal with printed text. And so, yeah, it's a good question. And it's something we've already been working out on a roadmap over the last few months and, and really going to, we're going to be hitting it pretty hard as we get into the, the new calendar year. Uh, yes. It looks like uh, Bobby Vinton. Okay. I was wondering how JAWS is going to be released since Eric left. Like, are we going to do a, a beta two and beta three? And the second thing is about scripting. I recently, I didn't even have to download it. It happened by itself. I got the new Outlook app. It's completely free. And the thing that's not accessible, as I was telling Alan and Larry and them, was the fact that I can't read my contact list. It's like I can't down arrow to my contact list. And when I hit enter to open a message, it doesn't open. So it's replacing the mail and calendar app. So I was wondering when the second beta will come out and when mail and, and when you could work on the Outlook app. So that those are the two little things I have. Yep. No problem, Bobby. Good to hear from you. So, yeah, the calendar or well, let me start with the, your first question. Um, the first public beta version came out uh, right after Labor Day, so a couple of weeks ago. The public beta 2, the second version, will come out this week. And then there'll be one more public beta version that'll come out in the middle of October, right before the official 2024 release. So it's the same schedule that we've been using for the last number of years. There are technically three public betas. The second one will come out this week. And then one more right before the release. And that third one is just one for us to kind of just do a final sanity check that everything is ready to go and as stable as possible. And then we'll put the official release out right towards the very end of October. Um, you mentioned about Outlook. And yes, out, Microsoft's doing a lot of work um, changing some things in Outlook and Mail. And they're they're pushing some of it to more of a web interface now. Um, Microsoft, I can't speak for Microsoft, but um, some of the the functionality we're not necessarily sure if it's all ready for Jaws at this point. So what we're typically suggesting is for people to you you can turn off the new web view that Outlook is running or Microsoft Mail, and you can basically revert back to the classic view. Um, especially in full Outlook, if you're using regular Outlook. Our training team is going to put some no, content No, I'm not. Out. Our, our training team is going to put some content out about the Mail app as well as the full Outlook app. But if you're running the full Outlook, you'll want to switch back to the classic view of Outlook right now. And if you're running the Mail app, you can pick either one. It's just going to be different because there's different ways of interacting with it. It's more like a web page now, but I mentioned about the seamless scripts updates earlier, and that is a way that as things settle in for the way Microsoft is going to build those applications and we need to make updates to JAWS, then we'll be able to do that and, and we'll be able to push those out with those seamless updates. So that's that's the one of the whole reasons that we're doing that is because some of these applications are are fundamentally going through some transformations right now. Okay, next is Carla. Okay, I have um, probably an esoterical question, but it's something I deal with every day, and that's foreign languages. Um, is, it possible, 
is it possible in the split braille to, like if I have a document that has more than one language, can I split it between languages or is that just too advanced for the thing to do? It's a good question. Um, I'm going to say that I'm not 100% sure exactly the right way. I, what I will say is that we have several of our team who are multilingual. I'm I'm not multilingual. I can speak English and English. And so I can speak a few words in Spanish, but so I don't use this. But some of our team are actually bilingual and trilingual who have been working on this. So I suspect there are some things that you could do with this. Um, I'm, we'll, we'll make sure that we're actually kind of promoting some of that functionality on how to do it for those who are, who are reading different texts. And and I assume when you're saying that you're you're meaning that the text is written in that other language. We're not saying JAWS is going to translate the text, but you've actually got stuff that's written in two different languages on the screen, correct? Yes, what's happening is I'm doing the translation, and usually it's when you do like a technical manual or something and you're in columns and you have more than one language. And, um, you know, I know better than to say three or four languages, which is what you get with a frequency list. But, um, I mean, two languages would be an improvement if, you know, you could go from one to the other as you're working. I don't know if it's possible, though, because you'd have a whole new, you know, character set. And, um, yeah, I think switching dynamically like that will be difficult. Yeah, so okay. I probably know better than to ask this question, but I thought I would ask. And the other question I had is, is there going to be an improvement on the JAWS focus problem? Because sometimes it keeps losing its focus still. Yeah, I mean, it, one one of the things that we want to see is when when you can like show us examples of that. Because it it what 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 I've seen anyway from my own experience is that 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 issue seems to be very intermittent for a lot of us and it comes and goes. And so then we have trouble trying to narrow down exactly what's happening. And sometimes it's caused by another application that's doing things. Sometimes it's caused by JAWS. What I would say is if you have scenarios where you can demonstrate that, let us know. Well, and I can tell you about, but I don't, I can't make it reenact. The thing. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, that's the challenge. You know. that we often have is it it is intermittent but if there's certain application where you if you could say you know, this really is more of a problem in word than it is anywhere else or when i come out of outlook or something i don't know whatever it is any specifics that you can give us is is always appreciated because it it is one of those things that it's kind of hard to track down exactly where those things are coming from for the record it's zoom for the most part with me okay it's zoom and um, you know, I'll be in the middle of working on something. And I won't have alt tabbed away from it, and it'll it'll lose it. Jaws will lose its focus, and then I'm not able to interact with Zoom. And I think I'm raising my hand, and I'm not. Yeah, I I will say too that usually in that case, it's the PC has actually switched focus. So really, at the end of the day, Jaws is just reading whatever's in focus. And I I actually see this with Zoom sometimes too, where something else pops up on the screen. Maybe the Zoom window flickers, maybe the Zoom, you know, when people are coming in and out of a meeting, something else changes the PC focus in Zoom. And thus it's it's moved from where I thought it was as well. Okay. Well that's thanks. something that's it's really hard. It's really hard to tell exactly what's going on with it. Yeah. Well, but I have thank, seen that as well. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Another You're great welcome. example of that situation is losing jaw speech which which i've seen happen recently and you never really know what's causing it or whether it's jaws or or maybe maybe another application that's up on the screen and there are ways to bring it back but you're just never sure now is jaws still running in the background when i'm trying to bring it back with insert space f4 or or is it just frozen i mean there's no way to really know that and i'm not I sure see how that happen in teams yeah. a lot yeah, yeah. I mean, because teams will be uh, it's like teams will update itself just randomly and I won't know what's going on. I'll kind of start pressing things and it gets real sluggish or I lose speech and I think, well, Jaws has crashed or something like that. And then a couple of minutes later, I get a pop-up in Teams that said, hey, here's what's new in the new version of Teams that just updated. And then I realized, no wonder things got crazy. Teams was updating and it was causing the whole machine to kind of slow down for a minute. So 
there's so many things going on now that didn't used to come up uh, from a computer perspective. But you mentioned, Larry, insert space F4. It's actually a really good keystroke for those who, if you've not used this before, don't know what it is. It's a way to easily just close JAWS and restart it automatically. So the, the keystroke is you hold down insert, press the space bar to go into the layered mode, and then just press F4. And that'll basically shut JAWS, shut JAWS down and then restart it. So if you kind of get in a place where you're not sure what's happened, or maybe JAWS is either not working right, or you can't tell if it's working because you've, you've lost some speech, that's sometimes a good way to kind of reset JAWS and get it back running again. And, and maybe you'll get your speech back, for example. That's Marcy Duty from Texas. Hi, Ryan. Can you tell Hi. us about the new changes that are happening with Sharky? For the, the voice assistant? Yeah, for the voice assistant with the with the JAWS 2024. Uh, I think so. One of the things we're doing, we added some additional language support for Sharky. Um, that's probably the only change that I can think of off the top of my head that we're doing with the voice assistant. We're actually kind of investigating right now, longer term, some uh, enhancements that we can do with this, especially as we get into lang natural language processing and AI and things. We, we'd love to see this become even more powerful where there's even less dependent on giving it exact commands. Um, so that's something we're researching. So as we do that right now, uh, voice assistant's pretty much going to say the same. We did add some things in Zoom text, I believe, in 2024. But for JAWS, it should mostly be the same as it's been for, for folks. One thing I do that that kind of led me to a thought that I want to mention, um, some of you probably heard, or maybe hopefully most of you, if, if not, um, we, we're doing a contest right now. We, we announced this back at the early part of September, and it's a contest that we're calling the Next Big Thing Contest. And the point of it is that we wanted an opportunity for people to get to share your ideas with us, things that you would like to see in JAWS or Zoom text, things that you've always thought about that you never had a good way to talk to us about or never felt like um, you just never thought about telling us, um, but things you've always thought about. And so we're running this contest where we're asking you to submit a three-minute video and you can do this individually or you can do this as a team of up to three people and submit us a three-minute video that describes your feature and why it would be beneficial for others, why it would be helpful to other people. And we're going to take those initial submissions. So you, you have until October the 16th to get that submission and get that video in. And then uh, after October 16th, we have a first panel of judges who's going to narrow our entries down to three finalists. And then for those three finalists, we're going to be holding a live event. This will be open to the public, and it will be on November 14th uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern. So it, it will be before the ACB Audio Description uh, Awards Gala. Um, and those three finalists will be invited to participate on that live event, pitch their ideas to a different panel of judges who have never seen their ideas before, and those judges will deliberate. And actually, the audience, you would be able to have a, a vote as well. So we're going to have an audience participation piece. And a grand prize winner will be decided on that that night uh, at that live event. So it's gonna be. It should be a really fun time. We've already been getting submissions in. There's still, you know, another three weeks from the time we're recording this now, to to get more submissions in. We'd love to see more and more. And you have a chance to win a thousand dollar Amazon gift card. So that's going to be the grand prize for if you're an individual that submits or up to a team of up to three people. Every person in that team would win a, a one thousand dollar Amazon gift card plus five years of JAWS license, whether you've got a home annual or an SMA, then we'll give you five more years of JAWS at no cost for all the finalists, whether you win the grand prize or not. So for those who haven't heard of this, if you go to 
freedomscientific.com slash next big thing. Uh, that's the page that'll have all the details, all the different rules. Uh, it has a form that you fill out where you give your name, you have the de description of the feature that you're wanting to submit, and then a link to your video, uh, whether that's on, if you publish it on YouTube or Dropbox or OneDrive or wherever you want to put it, you'd, you'd give us the link so we, we can access that video. The video doesn't have to be anything crazy professional. We're not judging this based on you know, how professional your video is. So if you've got a phone, an iPhone or something, or an Android phone, you want to video yourself on that, that's fine. If you want to use Zoom, you can do that. However you want to video yourself, that's fine by us. We're not we're not so worried about that. We want to hear the creativeness around your ideas and uh, submit those in, and, and then hopefully you'll have a chance to win $1,000. And this is all part of what we're calling Shark Vember. For November. So we've kind of rebranded November to be Shark Vember. It's really, we're going to focus on uh, JAWS and Zoom text and the community around our software. We've got some other live events that we'll do uh, in, in Shark Vember as well. But the cornerstone of that is the next big thing event. So get your creative juices going out there. And hopefully some of you will really benefit from this. Yeah, John's hands up. All right. And I knew that. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't jump in here. I, I just wanted you to maybe talk, Ryan, a, a bit about uh, the training team and how how really critical they have become in the last few years, despite the, the problems we've had with Clubhouse and its accessibility problems. I mean, they really have stepped forward and made a lot of great things available to users, whether you're brand new or whether you've been around for 100 years. Yeah, I mean, the, the training team is pushing content out quite a lot right now. And one of the things that I'm really proud of them for doing is keeping up with the way that consumers are consuming training content. You know, back when this, we, we used to only have a few avenues to push out training. You had cassette tapes, you had CDs, you had printed materials, and now people consume training in so many different ways, mostly via social media, whether it's through YouTube videos, which are really popular right now, podcasts, of course, live webinars, people do trainings on TikTok, people still like written uh, outline documentation that they can keep and refer back to people like audio recording. So the training team is working to put training out in all of those different avenues for people. So uh, when, when they do live events, those events are often recorded. So we, we do once every other week, an event called ask Sharky, and that's usually on just some topic around using jaws, whether it's, we, we did one a few weeks ago that I really enjoyed around using jaws with some of the, uh, AI technology like chat GPT and BARD, or whether it's using JAWS to do something in Microsoft Word or whatever it is that that, that training team does that content on. they It's a live presentation first, so people can in join in live. You can ask questions, you can interact live, but they record it and then they edit it. And then they post it on either YouTube or our podcast feed, for example. Sometimes we even take clips of those things and put them on TikTok or Instagram uh, or, or shorter video type of platforms. So we're taking a lot of the same content and then distributing it in those different channels. So that team really works hard to stay up with what's going on around. And, and there's there's just a ton of work that they're doing. And it's something that's a core value of what we believe in in JAWS is getting training out there. And I know we we have someone participating from our side basically every week in the ACB community events. That's that's a commitment that we have as a company to bring training out there, allow people to access it, uh, encourage people to access it, and, and, and make it available to everyone so that you can use JAWS or ZoomText to the best of your abilities and, and use it for what you want to use it for. Um, when, and then consume that training however you want to. Talk to us a little bit about the message center, which I know came out not long ago. And I'm curious about the feedback because it is a little bit different in terms of how we receive some messages like the new uh, FSCast, et cetera, and other kinds of training events. Uh, 
Yeah, this came about because we realized we 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 need a central way to provide communication to people within the product. So the the problem was we would have all kinds of updates to things, whether it was a training announcement we wanted to make or whether it was a technical support communication we wanted to have. The problem was that you had to go to our website or sign up for an email list or whatever it is to find that information. So we decided to put in a feature of JAWS where we can push that information directly to the product. So it's no different than for those of us who, if you use a smartphone and you open apps, sometimes that app will give you a notification right when you open it up. It'll say, hey, did you know that you could do this with the app? Or did let me tell you what's new in this updated version, or let me give you this announcement or whatever it is. So we wanted to put that in JAWS and Zoom text, And that we did that with a feature called Message Center. And so now, for example, in Message Center, we, we can push out messages whenever we want to, whether it's about announcing an upcoming training, or as you said, every time we post a new FS cast, we no longer have to use that secondary dialogue box that popped up and said, hey, there's a new FS cast available. We're putting that notification in Message Center now. Um, if we come across a problem where we need to tell our users, hey, don't let this thing update or don't do this or or something has broken in this application and we really need to alert you to that, we would push that out in Message Center. So a, a, an example of that was back in early June, an issue came out with, with a Chrome update that broke certain versions of JAWS and, and even other screen readers. It broke their ability to properly interact with websites. And you know, through our partnerships with Google and Microsoft, we were able to help them get all that fixed fairly quickly. It still took a few weeks because of the nature of software development. But we didn't have a great way to tell people about this other than through social media and email and blog and all that. But you still had to actively find that information. So that would have been a perfect time. We just didn't have the message center out yet. But it would have been a perfect time to push a notification to all of our JAWS users and say, if you're using Chrome, don't do this or or don't, you know, you need to use this version of JAWS with Chrome right now until this issue is fixed. Or at least we could have told people there was a workaround on how to 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 work around the issue. We we would have told people through Message Center how to implement that workaround. And so it's uh, it's one of those things. It's not a real flashy, sparkly kind of feature, but it's just going to help us stay in better communication with people as we go forward. So we've, we started, this came out back in June. We're using it for FS cast updates right now. We're, we're working on a schedule of power tips that we're going to start pushing out in message center, for example. And, uh, and we can target the messages based on the product. So for example, the messages you get in zoom text would be about zoom text. They won't be about jaws. The message you get in jaws will be about JAWS and not Zoom Tech. So we can push different messages to the different products and even based on the version of the operating system you have so that we're not sending out the same messages to everybody, even if it's not really applicable. So if you've not looked at Message Center, I would encourage you to do it. You can find it in the help menu. So if you press Alt H and go to help and you scroll down, you'll find Message Center Think of it kind of like an inbox. It'll have a list of messages there. You'll be able to tell if it's read or unread. You press enter on it, it'll open up um, and, and you can read through the text there. And sometimes there'll be links in the messages that'll take you out to a web page where there'll be more details or more information. Um, we're, we're putting the what's new information out there. So for example, when we release public beta two, of JAWS here in a few days, we'll put a, a what's new message out there in Message Center for those who are using public beta one. So you'll know what's coming, what, what would you expect in the public beta two version. So be a lot of ways so, we can use this as we go forward. So I assume it'll, still can I, it'll still be on the I, website as well as the Message Center? It will, yes. What's new? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sorry, uh, can, can I ask a question? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. This is Alan. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and I apologize. I had to take a phone call, so you may have said this. I'll admit, I'm a dinosaur. I, I don't like updating my stuff. I'm still running Windows 10, and I'm running 
Fusion 2020. So uh, I've got, you know, I've got my SMAs all updated and stuff. But I, once I get stuff working, I, I, I don't like updating stuff. You know, that that's me. So how long is your software still going to run under Windows 10? I mean, am I going to have to go to Windows 11 anytime soon? Or is, is Windows 10 still going to be supported for a while? And yeah, if you Windows are, 10 it, will. It, okay. it, it will be supported okay. for a while. And we tend to fall. It's a good question. I mean, yeah. we had the same question around Windows 7 for a while. Right. But we we right. tend to follow the pattern of Microsoft in this case. So if Microsoft is still actively supporting an operating system, then then we will because we know people are using it. In fact, there's plenty of us, even at Vespero, who are still using Windows 10. It's It's still quite commonly used. Now, I would say... I would highly recommend to update uh, from Fusion version 2020, but for right. Windows perspective, we're still going to support Windows 10 as long as Microsoft is supporting it. And they'll they'll come nice. a day, of course, when Microsoft will stop, and then we will have to stop. I mean, at the end of the day, we can can only support so much at one time, okay. but. Windows 10, absolutely, for, for quite some time, I would Well, I, I, I'll try to put on my big boy pants and upgrade my Fusion to to, to, a, to a later version. Uh, all you yeah. got to do is win the contest, and you get five years, Alan. I mean, go, go for it. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not it's not about the money. I mean, I, I'm not worried about the cost of this. I mean, like I say, my SMA is all up to date. I'm just chicken about, you know, once I get something working, I'm just real hesitant to do upgrades and stuff. That's I, it. It, it, it's a personal problem. <laughs> and, and one thing you can always do is have a couple of versions on. I mean, if you upgrade to right. 2024, yeah. you could still keep 2020 on there. That's and, that's a good point. Yeah. You could yeah. always so. flip back over to it if you're finding something not good. The, the big, one of the big thing, even if you don't care about new features, even if you don't use right. Braille, even if you don't use face and view, something right. that's so important with the updates is just, JAWS having to keep up with what's going on in website technology, office applications, if you use those. You know, if you're using right, right. Vision 2020, for example, that was code that was written in 2019 and 2020 timeframe. The the web has right, changed right. a lot in the last four years. Oh, no. I, I, and I realize I, I can't logically support my position. So, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. But, but you're I, not yeah, you're not yeah, unique yeah. in that way. There, I find right. a lot of people are yeah. averse to that. And, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. you, everyone has their own choice. But I, I always like right. to reiterate why it's important because things will inevitably start to break more and more over time right, when you use right. older versions. Okay. Very fair. Okay. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Ryan, before we wrap up, um, maybe you can give some information if somebody needs to contact you or Vespero or Freedom Scientific. Yeah, absolutely. So you can, anyone can always reach out to me if you have questions about what we've talked about today or just anything. Uh, my email address is rjones at vispero.com rjones at v-i-s-p-e-r-o.com so if you have questions thoughts feel free to email email me if you have technical support issues you, something's not working right you can email our support team at support at vispero.com or our training team you can email at training at vispero.com so any of those are probably the best ways to get a hold of us let us know if you have questions or problems and you know, we uh, look forward to keeping in good communication with folks and enjoying the rest of our fall and the release of 2024 and then our Shark Fember and Next Big Thing contest activities coming up. I should mention, because this happens often, because I stream all the stuff that Ms. Farrow does on ACB, that frequently Liz will say, now, if you didn't get so-and-so or so-and-so, send me a note and I'll send you a cheat sheet. So they not only they not only put stuff together with regard to videos, but if you're doing stuff on Excel or, or Google, and you're having some trouble with regard to keystrokes, or or other things related to that, if you write them a note, they'll send you some information that will help you, and I think that's just tremendous service. Yeah, they they're not too busy to they do a lot of one on one support with folks. Yeah. Um, you know, providing specific things. If you write that training team and give them a specific scenario, they will get back to you with a specific answer to that. That's exactly right. Thanks again for a terrific presentation, Ryan. All right. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, everyone. You bet. Yes. Thanks. And next week, we're working on some things. We don't have it solidified yet. 
Uh, but we will soon, and we'll send out a release uh, a little later this week once we have it firm. And we've got a lot of October already planned. Maybe we should run through those really quickly, just briefly, so people have an idea. We could do that. On the 16th, we've, we've got Jeff Bishop, uh, the way things look now, to talk about the brand new Windows 11 update. Uh, on the 23rd, we have Quentin from NVDA, who will talk about their update. And on the 30th, Matthew from the Brillist yeah, Foundation. Matthew Horsfold, yeah. He'll be here yeah. to talk about Braille displays and how to choose a Braille display. So, and, and then in the next three weeks, we'll do our yearly stocking stuffers. Some of you have asked, is stocking stuffers going to be part of what happens on Tech Talk? And indeed it is. It's going to be for an hour from five to six. We have about three, uh, three weeks scheduled, thanks to Myrna Voda, who is doing all that. And then if you want to look into 2024, on January 8, Brian Harchin will be with us to talk about Sound editors, uh, and I don't know exactly all that will, will, will be encompassed, but I think they'll, they're still working that out. So we're already planning to get into 2024. So we've got a lot of good stuff. A lot of your reactions uh, earlier we will start to put into play uh, as time goes on as well. So some of the, your ideas we will talk about as well. Anything I've missed? Before I, uh, before we no. Okay. You, you got it on. I think. I think that's it. So join us uh, next week for more of Tech Talk. Thank you, everybody.